Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. You're tuned in to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am your host, Joe DeLeon, joined by Alex Gilstrap and Ryan Roberts. As always, this is your source for breaking down NFL Draft Prospects, as well as exclusive interviews with various guys heading into the next draft class. We've already banged out a couple position previews for 2021. We've also done two separate interview episodes, had some very, very interesting conversations, as well as some good insight from some of those players that we have had on the show. Today's episode continuing with the offensive players. We now have the receivers to discuss. And guys, this is an interesting group. It seems like last year, the, the, the big thing was how deep the wide receiver group was how, how it was very talented at the top. There were multiple guys drafted in the first round and then it stretched so far into the later rounds of the draft that you could still get some quality developmental guys. The question that I have now is where does this year's group compare? Because already from what I'm seeing, it sounds like a lot of people are really loving this group as well. Alex, why don't we go to you first? What do you see with this group as a whole? Is it similar or if not possibly better than last year's wide receiver group? I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's better. And, you know, we it was a it was a really impressive group last year as we talked about throughout the entire draft process, but especially at the top. Uh this class, I I tweeted about it a couple of days ago. There's there's four guys in this class that I think are easily top 15 talents in this in this draft class so far for me. So uh, I mean, we had some good receiver receivers at the top in this past draft class with uh, with C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and of course Henry Ruggs, who ended up being the first one selected. But I'm more impressed with the top of this class myself personally, and I think we're going to see a couple of potential top ten guys uh, come next April. It, but it still remains deep, just like last year's class was as well. I'm 24 guys in currently. Uh, so I've gotten pretty deep into this wide receiver class. I'm still missing some of those niche players like TJ Vasher, who's your long, lanky Slenderman type. And then, you know, your Kadarius Tonys out of Florida, who's super speedster, uh, as well as uh, Mitchell Schwartz out of Auburn speedster. I have not gotten to yet. So, I mean, I'm 24 guys in and I still have some big names to get to. So this receiver class is really, really impressive, both from top talent as well as uh, deep deeper uh in the draft class you know those mid to late day three guys you know i i think that this podcast honestly is is just alex trying to flex on me tell me how many guys he's watched at each position and trying to make me look bad but um so i mean just to, to just echo i'm just kidding alex i'm sorry man i'm just, just to echo well, I, what you, alex is you could say you you could say conversely it's alex flexing how many guys he's watched and then it's you bringing up random division two guys it's, right it's like a back and forth here and i tell you and i, mean, I tell I, you every 
I tell you every week that I watch these guys week by week just for our podcast episodes. So if you were to ask me outside of the position groups that we've previewed, I have watched a total of like 10 players outside of these position groups. So you are probably watched more total players. It's just I'm going deep position by position each week. Well, I appreciate you trying to make me feel better, man. But I feel like I don't know if you guys were SpongeBob fans. I don't know if that was your era, but like I feel yeah. like Muscle Bob buff pants, like putting my arm up and then it just <laughs> slowly deflating down. Like that's how I'm feeling. But I mean, honestly, though, like the wide receiver group compared it to last year, like Alex said, you know, you had Judy, Lamb, and Rugs at the top, and I felt like it was an incredibly deep class in 2020. But after the top three, I felt like there was a little bit of separation to the next group for like the 2021 class, though. I think there are five to six guys that are going to be fighting for that top five slot. I feel like they are just as talented as last year at the top. So I think that the top is a little um, deeper in just that first one to two tiers. And then when you really kick into it, it the depth is there again, just like last year. So we're stronger a bit at the top, at least more numbers at the top. And then you had equal depth of last year. So for 2021, I, I would give it the early um, victory as far as compared to 2020. It's an incredible class, and I, I think I've watched 15, 16 wide receivers at this point, and I, I mean, I, I'm just having so much joy. I, I don't think I've seen a bad football player yet, so it's a ton of fun. I'm excited about it, and uh, you know, it's 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 a mirror image, though, to a degree, because it's a great class, and we have two Alabama wide receivers right around near the top, so it mirrors a lot to 2020, but I would take 2021 uh, preferably right now. The thing that we've done so far on these shows is try to pitch some early sleepers, some guys that people might not really be talking about much, some people that might rise up through the draft process and be notable players, guys that maybe go later in the draft and turn into good pros. Alex, who is your sleeper for this wide receiver group? Now, my guy, I wouldn't even call necessarily a sleeper. But people just aren't talking about him like they should, and there's there's multiple reasons that I'll get into about it. But it's Nico Collins out of Michigan, uh, six foot four, two hundred twenty two pounds. This guy's built for the NFL. He's got an NFL style body right now. He's going to translate really well, just as far as size and physicality goes. But he's an exceptional athlete. We saw that a lot with Donovan Peoples Jones and his testing out of Michigan just this past year. But I think Nico Collins is a more dynamic receiver as well as just a, a a better talent and uh and I think a lot of the reasons pe- we aren't talking about him is is the bad quarterback play that Michigan's been plagued with over the last few years. Shea Patterson's now out of the door. Hopefully, uh, Christian McCaffrey's brother, I think it's Dylan Dylan McCaffrey, will, uh, or whoever's going to end up winning that Michigan job, uh, comes in and puts out some uh, puts out a better product for this this deep receiver uh, group they have in Michigan. And I think Nico Collins is an NFL-style X receiver, and no one's talking about him. He's a huge recruit coming out of high school. Everyone in the country wanted him. He went to Michigan, and honestly, if this kid was at a Georgia or, I mean, I, I would say Alabama-Clemson, but they've been so deep at receiver. If he was at a, you know one of those top programs, Oklahoma-Georgia, I think he would have came out this past year because he was going to be able to showcase what this kid can bring to the next level earlier. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, he hadn't been able to do that at Michigan because of Shea Patterson. I'm sorry. Uh, and and here we are. He's going into his senior year now. Six foot four, two twenty two. That with his skill set just excites me. I think he's going to translate super well to the NFL. He just hasn't really been able to put it on tape as often as some of these other guys at the top. Like I said, because of that that talent around him. 
Man, you, this this Shea Patterson slander never ends, man. We're off to 2021. We're still talking about Shea. I love it, though. I love it. Uh, <laughs> he just got Nico, cut, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, he did just yeah, yesterday, I think. Yep. He, he hasn't thrown a single pass yet, and he's getting cut. It's crazy, man. It's absolutely oh, man. insane. But, I mean, I, I will agree, though, 100% with Alex. Nico Collins has been really held down by playing with Shea Patterson. He talked about the size. And along with that, he has a big catch radius, some really strong hands. But the thing that I that really takes you off guard, and I remember like seeing his first game where he really made a huge impact it was a couple years ago against Notre Dame, and he ran a, like just a deep post and actually bl- absolutely blew by Julian Love. And you know, for people that are familiar with Julian Love, he's playing safety now from the Giants, so he's not the most fleet of foot athlete of all time. He was just a really solid football player. But then he goes over to the other side, and Troy Pride Jr., who is a legitimate f- fast cornerback <laughs> on the other side of Julian Love. And he was getting on top of of, uh, of Troy as well. So Nico's got a little more juice than you would think. And then 6'4", 220. I mean, he averaged, like, I think, what, 18, 19 yards a catch? Some crazy numbers. Yeah, so, yeah, it was a huge number for sure. Yeah, it's a huge number when you combine that with 6'4", 220 with solid hands. So Nico, I, I think, is going to have a breakout year, whether it's with Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton. But I, I have a... I have a good feeling about him and uh, him and Ronnie Bell and then Nick Eubanks at tight end. I think that the yep. Michigan offense, at least from a passing perspective, can really have a big uptick this year. Ryan, what's your sleeper guy that you're going to be watching out for next season at the receiver position? All right, so so Joe, I'm going to take you back to 2018 when a North Texas team led by Coach Scott Luttrell or Seth Luttrell, I forget what his name is, but Coach Luttrell go off to a 9-4, and 10-4 season, something like that. They have a great year. Mason Fine, the quarterback who's in the 2020 class, um, really successful year. Offense was explosive. DeAndre Torrey at, wire, at running back. But they have this young man at wide receiver named Rico Bussey, the, sorry, Rico Bussey Jr., who is 6'2", 190-plus pounds, right around 200. And what a lot was expected, Mason Fine coming back, DeAndre Torrey coming back. A lot was expected of that Latrell offense, and uh, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Bussey had a torn ACL that cost him the majority of the season, and it was kind of a weird offseason for him because, you know, you just kind of assumed he'd be coming back, getting the medical red shirt, and then all of a sudden he's not on the roster for 2020, and then, you know, comes out a couple days later, he's in the transfer portal, and I'm like, okay, I don't even know where this guy's going to go, and I assumed he was going to go level up, you know, one of the power five schools. Cause I think he is that talented. He is a really smooth route runner. He plays a lot bigger than he is. Um, re- I mean, there's a lot of things that remind me of Dante Pettis to a degree. And uh, although Pettis has not turned out for the San Francisco 49ers, I think that I'm, I'm looking at him coming out of Washington to as a similarity between Bussy. Cause although I wasn't the biggest fan of a guy like Pettis, you know, I think Bussy has that athletic ability where he could potentially be a, late day two, early day three type wide receiver, even in this another historically deep class. But then he transfers to Hawaii, which is an odd fit. And um, I'm not really sure what to make of it. But all I know is that I really did like his tape in 2018. I think he has a lot of traits to work with. And Joe, here's a little tidbit for you. Hawaii with new coach Todd Graham that used to be at Arizona State also has Calvin Turner, the option quarterback from Jacksonville oh. who tra- transferred over there, and he's playing running back for them too. So interesting. I think Rico, Rico Bussey is going to be the best athlete on the field every time he's playing against you know the, the conference opponents of Hawaii. So excited about him. Keep an eye out for him. Rico Bussey, junior, University of Hawaii this year. 
Yeah, I haven't been able to watch Rico Bussy yet. Uh, you know, as as I was saying a minute ago, I've watched, you know, the number I have, and I still have plenty to go. So he's just another one. I actually have watched a highlight tape of him, though, and I do agree. I think he's a, a springy athlete is kind of the way I describe him. I really love watching him extend for the football. He is, he's smooth at the catch point, and uh, he, he's pretty dynamic after the catch, uh, creating yards for himself. So I actually am really excited to get into his tape uh, whenever I can get to him and see what he can do. Uh, in a new landing spot over at Hawaii for sure. Those are the two guys that we are going to be paying attention to, those that might be a little bit under the radar, as we've highlighted. So far, if you've been following along with this show, you might remember that we've been having a, a fun way of revealing the top fives for both Ryan and Alex. The way that we've gone about that is discussing and sharing the fours and fives on each of your lists and then playing the guessing game of who is the top three for each opposite list. I will give a little bit of a teaser here. The top threes, again, are very, very interesting. They're very, very odd. You're going to be shocked yet again. I'm not going to pull your leg like last time and hang you guys out the dry, but you're going to be a little bit surprised here. Now, the fours and the fives. For Alex, you have Jalen Waddell of Alabama, and then at five, Tamori and Terry of Florida State. Interestingly enough, you could probably guess that Ryan has Tamori and Terry of Florida State at four, and Jalen Waddell at five. The thing that immediately comes to mind now, and Alex, I want to ask you this first, is why do you have Waddle ahead of Terry? And then I want to know, Ryan, why you have Terry ahead of, uh, of Waddle. Yeah, for me, Terry actually wasn't in my top five for a minute. I actually messaged Joe right before the, the show. Very last yeah. second. Very last second, probably 30 minutes before we started. Uh, just because I went back and watched some more Terry tape because I knew Ryan was a big fan. I was like, let's watch some more. And I gave him the benefit of, of the doubt on a couple of things. Talk about a dynamic weapon. I mean, I, I know I can't give you the number off the top of my head, but I know his yards per catch was insane. And in an offense where, let's just call it the Florida State offense, to do what he was able to do is super impressive. I don't think he is very well coached up and – that's a double-edged sword. For in one regard, it makes you think, "Oh, he's got he's going to have to work on a few things before uh, having a good, uh, big impact at the next level." But in that same regard, it's it's saying that at it, with little coaching, this guy's already as good as he is. His ceiling is super high. I'm I'm actually really interested to see what Tamori and Terry can do with some good coaching. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see that in the in this season. Uh, still remaining at Florida State. But I think this is more of a two- to three-year projection with Tamori and Terry. And I think that if he gets a couple of off-seasons in an NFL system, I think the the upside with this guy is is super. And then as far as Jalen Waddle goes, I mean, we, all, we know he's a dynamic return man. Uh, we've seen glimpses of what he can do in that loaded Alabama receiver room. And I do think he's the better of the two remaining Alabama receivers. And I think he has an opportunity to end up being the best of the four from the 2019 season, uh, which, <clears throat> which does include Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. I think he has that kind of upside. Uh, it'll be interesting to see him be a more premier pass catcher this, this season with the two 2020 receivers gone in, in Ruggs and uh, – What's his name again? Jerry Judy. 
Uh, so I'm, I'm a real big fan of Jalen Waddle. I love what he can do after the catch burner speed. I'm, I mean, ridiculous speed. Uh, but Tamorian Terry is someone that's risen for me as I've realized the, the lack of coaching is probably to blame for some of his flaws. Yeah. I, I mean, so in this conversation, I'm going to start with Waddle and I will say athletically, the kid is superb. He's a legit four, three guy. There is so much to like dynamic after the catch, he can do a little bit of everything. He's a true slot. I don't think that there's much versatility to him playing on the outside at all. Uh, and that's mostly due just to the fact of he's listed at 5'10". And I can tell you guys for a fact, he is closer to 5'9 than 5'10". Um, which, you know, just limits, the, limits the, the impact for me just in the simple fact of, you know, alignment versatility. Can, can he be a dynamic slot, dynamic slot man? Of course. Can he be a yards after catch guy? Of course. And he's dynamic at it. And I think that he's a potential high-volume receiver at that spot as well. But when I'm looking at Tamorian Terry, Scary Terry, he is – I mean, you don't make guys like this, man. This guy was made in a lab. I was just watching um, Captain America earlier, you know, the first one, and I was just like, dude, this is Tamorian Terry. He was made in a lab, like for real. And he's six foot four. I think he's a legit 4-3 guy, if not a low 4-4 guy. He has some juice to him. He has shown the ability to catch short passes, turn him into deep, deep plays. Uh, he has shown the ability to win on the outside vertically at a lot. <laughs> He's even lined up inside and done some double moves, done different things. I think that the route running isn't as consistent as you want to be because, like Alex said, the coaching hasn't been great. A lot of what he does is ad-libbing. A lot of what he does is just off of being just a better athlete than the guy across from him. But then you turn on the Florida tape, and you see him winning on double moves. In, if he had a competent quarterback play against Florida, against C.J. Henderson and that talented secondary, which they always have, that guy was going to go for 250-plus yards. He absolutely was. He, they underthrew him on two deep balls where he was absolutely wide open The you know for a good 15, 20 yards. The kid is special. I think that you can line him up in multiple areas. And I think personally, and Alex, I don't know if you want to kind of chime in on this. I think the 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 hands issue is so overblown. I don't think he has a ball skill issue at all. I think that he has some concentration drops. I can fix concentration drops. I see this guy go up the ladder and show strong hands at the catch point. I see solid catching technique. For me, it's just a concentration issue. I can fix that because I know that he hasn't been coached well. So for me, Tamari Ontario was, was my third-ranked wide receiver because I'm such a big believer in him. I think that there is an, a limitless ceiling to him. He, If you told me in five years Tamari Ontario is the best wide receiver to come out of 2021, I would believe you 100%. So that's why he kind of just edged out Waddle slightly just because I think that I could do more with him and the potential has, not, has yet to be untapped. So Tamari Ontario, wide receiver four. Yeah, just to go off that little the drop thing you were talking about, I think it's very similar to what we just had with Jalen Rager, who uh, who had kind of some of those regard, you know, some of those opinions on him too that he had drop issue. But I think just like Tamori and Terry, Jalen Rager's drop problems are really just concentration, trying to do too much after the catch. He knows that uh, he's a a spark for an offense that's not very dynamic outside of him as an individual. So. Uh, so I think it's very similar. I, I think that drops is something that people overblow a lot of times, especially when it's in the same regard that Tamori and Terry and Jalen Rager have, where it's just trying to do too much after the catch before they have the ball secured. So uh, I definitely I don't have an issue with him and drops like some people do. And I, I love the upside, just like you said. Smart man, Alex. Smart man. Smart man, <laughs> my friend. Uh, so so far, some minor discourse 
here. Just very slight disagreement in those four and five spots. Now, will these top threes be identical? Or will there be a crazy pick? We're going to find that out really shortly. But before we get to that, guys, we have our very first ad read in the show. What's the number one sign of bad home security? A home security system that's so complicated that you never use it. That's exactly the type of sim- uh, system that Simply Safe has spent a decade decade fighting against. Sim- Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24/7. You can order it online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is prote- protected around the clock. It is that simple. Head on over to simplysafe.com/team and get free shipping and a 60-day money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com/team. It feels good to fear less. I'm not going to do what I did last episode to you guys. I'm going to come right out here and say it. You guys have identical top threes at the receiver group. I wasn't going to sit here and make you guys guess again. I wasn't going to sit here and do that because the fact that you did it in back-to-back shows, uh, it just wouldn't have been worth it to put you guys through it. So you, you at your top threes right now, it's Jamar Chase from LSU. It is Rashad Bateman and then Rondell Moore from Purdue. That being said, that you have this agreement, I feel like early on a lot of people are in favor of Jamar Chase at number one, who was playing alongside Justin Jefferson, who was drafted in the first round by the Minnesota Vikings. Ryan, I want to ask you this first. What stands out to you about Jamar Chase, and why did you pick him as your number one guy? I think that when we get into Jamar Chase, it's a little bit of a different conversation in the fact of when we're projecting him, it isn't just the things that you see. It isn't just the 6'1", it isn't just the 200+, plus. it isn't just you know good deep speed, it isn't just the fact that he wins all the time at the catch point. The dude absolutely lives at the catch point and um, he just does everything seemingly very well. I think the thing is about him is that you can just – Every time you watch him play, that alpha mentality really comes off of him. And I think that really separates wide receivers. We always talk about guys at wide receiver being kind of the biggest trash talkers on the team, potentially them or corners. I think that there's just such a a, a residence about Jamar Chase. He comes off as an alpha. He wants the football all the time. And whether it is, you know, as a route runner short, whether it is winning at the catch point down the field, winning vertically, whatever it is, release points, he does everything so well, and then he has that swagger about him that he just wants to outplay you at the catch point. He wants to win there all the time. He doesn't like to lose. You can see it in his game. And I feel like that really separates him in this class because there are some really talented wide receivers, but there is just confidence that oozes out of him. And for me, I am betting on that guy all day, all along, because some people are trying to knock him down. Oh, is he as fast as Rondell Moore? No. Is he as fast as Scary Terry? No, he's probably not. But does it really matter when you watch his game, how he wins, how he consistently outduels every corner that's in front of him? No matter who was against him last year, he caused everyone problems. No matter if they were a high draft pick this past year, whether they're high regarded going to 2021, nobody could stop Jamar Chase. And I think that it's an attitude thing that really comes out when you watch him play. Yeah, it's just to go along with the the swagger that you talked about. He just makes everything look so easy. Uh, We saw this against every single corner at the SEC level in the college football playoff. We see that he just makes it look easy. He, you know, he the way he navigates, he just he's smooth. Uh, His footwork is smooth at the top of the route stem. 
He knows how to attack space. He deals with physicality well. He's good in his releases. There's not really anything to his game. And that's not even talking about how he attacks the ball in the air like you talked about. So there's just no facet of his game that's really a flaw. People that want to nitpick want to talk about, no, like you said, he doesn't have the speed or he's not 6'3 plus like a Rashad Bateman or, uh, you know, or 6'2 plus like a Rashad Bateman or Sage Surratt, but what he does is just so well. He's so smooth. He's so simple, and he just doesn't have a flaw in his game. And like you said, with that demeanor that he has, that alpha mentality with with his swagger and with his just lack of flaws in his game, I'm really betting on him to be a top 10 talent in this this draft class. And I think he's better – I think he's better right now than – than C.D. Lamb, who was my wide receiver one this past year. I that's That might be a bold take to say that right now I'm taking Jamar Chase over C.D. Lamb, but just what he does, not only at the catch point, but getting to that spot. And then after the catch, he's very dynamic. He, he realizes open space, and he's a decisive, he's physical, uh, and he's shifty. I mean, he's just a smooth, he's just a smooth processor and a smooth ball player. And, and that's just what uh, Jamar Chase is, and I'm, I'm a real big believer in Jamar Chase. Uh, and excited to see what he can do in in this LSU offense. Obviously, Joe Burrow being gone, you're you're bound to see that production drop off. But don't let that scare you because that LSU offense, it th- th- that production that they put out in 2019 is unheard of. And that's that's kind of the statistics you saw from Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Uh, obviously, he's gonna have he's gonna have a more workload in the sense that you have some of those big playmakers gone. Both the tight ends are gone, and Stephen Sullivan and Thad Moss. You got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gone. Obviously, the quarterback position's getting some change with Miles Brennan coming in there. But uh, but he's still the same ball player, and he's just going to continue to get better like he has throughout his collegiate career. The most polarizing player in both of yours top fives has to be Rondell Moore because of the fact he had an incredible 2018 season. He had that... One game uh, against Ohio State that really seemingly put him on the map, but a lot of really good performances leading up to that. Then going into 2019, he only participates in four games because of an injury. One of those games, he re- he had 220 yards receiving, and then the game before that in week one, he had 124 yards receiving. After not playing the remainder of the season, that is what makes him such a big question mark. So what I want to now hear from you guys, Ryan, I want to hear from you first, is does missing all that time make you a little bit uncertain about more, or do you think he can be that dominant of a player if he stays healthy? I mean, it didn't bother. It doesn't bother me at all right now. I'll say Rondale Moore, if you, if you watch Rondale Moore play, man, and you, and you are second guessing yourself, whether this guy can be a big time NFL wide receiver, I think you're really overthinking this one you know you, obviously you can't predict the landing spot you can't predict how everything's going to you know fulfill its its role as a dra- as far as draft goes Rondell Moore man as a as a true slot dynamic is just the only word you know apparently runs 4-3 that come that shows up on film that dude is dense as hell he is built like an absolute tank he breaks so many tackles you talk about the Ohio State game man that was every game when he was a freshman he was just incredible after the catch and yeah he's coming off an injury but if you've seen how that kid works out in the weight room I'm not worried about him getting back at all you know he's a 180 plus pound kid squatting over 600 pounds like it's absolutely insane this dude is absolutely just 
a monster. And and I don't I mean it's not even from a technical standpoint because there's some things that are that need to improve. I think that he has a lot of patience in his routes and um he's really quick out of his breaks, but sometimes he kind of rounds off a little bit. There he doesn't affect the game on the vertical third the way he can potentially, I think, because he just he's a yak guy right now. He's a true slot. Get the ball in his hand as quick as possible and watch him work. He's a running back after the catch. So I have no concern at all. Rondale Moore almost made it to, to wide receiver two on this list for me just because, man, if I'm an offense, I am just dreaming about what I could potentially do with Rondale Moore. I think at a mock draft a few weeks ago, I had him kind of replacing Julian Edelman for the for the uh, New England Patriots. I just think, man, the possibilities that you can have with this kid, fly sweeps, jet sweeps, just running routes out of the slot. Like this kid is an exceptional talent, athletic freak of nature and I'm, I'm all sold on Rondell Moore barring another injury this guy is a potential top 15 pick in my opinion yeah big fan of Rondell Moore obviously the injuries are a little bit of a concern but like Ryan said I if there's if there's someone I'm betting on to come back from injury it's this guy and it's just his hard work I mean like you said pound for pound this is one of the strongest wide receivers I've ever evaluated uh he's hard to bring down just like he said I think I think people confuse size as being a concern versus height because uh, this guy, just as Ryan alluded to, is dense. I uh, we talked about Saquon Barkley's thighs and how big they were when he was coming out. Uh, this is Rondell Moore, and that's that's a testament to that six hundred pound squat that he has. So uh, Rondell Moore, I don't have any issues build wise. Uh, I think my biggest concern with him is on the field, and that's uh, he has some drop issues. Uh, I don't think he has some clean. Ha- I don't think he has very clean hands. But they aren't really tested all that often because, like Ryan said, he's someone they get the ball in quick, short, intermediate routes and let him do work after the catch because that's what he is. He's a running back after the catch, just as Ryan said. So Ryan pretty much summed up Rondell Moore perfectly. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Hopefully we get a season first and foremost, but uh, hopefully he can stay healthy if that season does play out. But Ron uh, Rashad Bateman is special. He really is. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I love Jamar Chase. I talked about liking him more than CD Lamp, and Rashad Bateman's closer to Jamar Chase than Rondell Moore, in my opinion. I'm a huge believer in Rashad Bateman. I love his size. I love his uh, physicality. I his range is ridiculous as far as catching the football. I, I think he's really, really good after the catch and. I really like what this guy can do. He's a versatile threat with great size and great speed and great athleticism. Uh, yeah, so the top three, even the top four for me, I love Jalen Waddle as well, but that top three is is really, really special in my opinion. And I think I think if you were to compare top threes to both classes, I, I know Ryan at the beginning of the show was talking about the 2020 class and how there was a top three and then it seemed like there was a good thick tier break after that. Uh, and he doesn't see that mu- as much in this 2021 class as of now, but I still think the top three in 2021 is far superior than that of 2020, in my opinion. And I got so excited about Rondell Moore, I completely skipped Rashad Bateman, which is which is a shame <laughs> on my end. Well, I, I need to do like a quick digression, though. Did you guys see that uh, video Seth Galina put out? He's for uh, PFF of uh, Rondell Moore just running slant routes. Did you see that video? Anyone? Yeah, no, I, I did. did I liked it on Twitter. Dude, it was insane. Joe, you need to go look at that, man. It is the most ridiculous highlight reel. It's just, <laughs> dude, it's just him running slants and just like, it's insane. Like, you, I, I, you just need to watch it. I don't want to blow it too much. But Rashad Bateman, Minnesota in the two hole for me. I agree with Alex, man. That separation between him and Chase is a lot smaller than some people would say it is. I think they're very similar players in the way that they win. But I think the big thing that really takes you off guard when you watch Bateman is the fact of, 
he is such a good route runner, man. I, I think Jordan Reed uh, said that he is a route um, salesman or something like that. I'm like, dude, that sells it perfectly, honestly. Like, he is just so deceptive in and out of his breaks. He, everything is just super clean. And I think that there is a world that he can overtake Chase. For me now, it's just the fact of he plays in a very simplistic RPO offense in Minnesota. Tyler Johnson took a lot of attention off of him. I want to see him as that clear-cut number one receiver. And I want to see when teams are really keying in on him and they're and they're really getting up in his grill. I want to see how his release points are. I want to see him as that number one option. But Rashad Bateman has everything that you would look for in number one wide receiver. And he very well could be a top 10 pick and maybe overtake Jamar Chase when everything's said and done here. Well, that's it for this receiver preview. Everything that you needed to know about the 2021 wide receiver group. Hopefully we filled you in properly for that 2020 college football season. Thanks for tuning in. As always, folks, be sure to follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Alex at Alex Gilstrap, and you can follow Ryan at Rise, the letter N, Draft. Also go follow Believe Podcasts at BLEAV Podcasts and head to their website, Believe.com, to find our show as well as hundreds of other amazing, amazing shows with incredible topics. You can also find us and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Art19, you name it, we are there. The next episode this week will be two interviews from wide receivers in college football. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.